Come on. Welcome to Life Club. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to our monthly book club. Welcome our author, the strong and powerful Mike Michalowicz. Welcome, Mike. George, thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to have you on. Mike is an author and a speaker. He's the creator of Profit First Professionals, the co-founder of the Preventus Group. He is an entrepreneur. His newest book is Get Different, Marketing That Can't Be Ignored. Mike, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and what motivated you to write the newest book. Sure. Uh, married, three kids, all adults. Uh, so my wife and I, it's funny, we're not empty nesters. That's what you should call it. It's, it's after the empty nest when everyone comes back home from college and still lives there. So that's it's the party house. It's the frat house now. Nice. Um, and um, so I'm a full-time author. I, I actually own a couple of businesses. I have licensees and, and four more. So I'm operating, uh, involved in six businesses. I'm a shareholder in six companies. It's the best way to phrase it. And um, my full-time vocation is an author. The reason I do it is uh, I've been an entrepreneur my entire adult life. I've had some phenomenal successes and I've had some absolute travesties of businesses, not because the business bad, I, was a bad idea. I had no clue what I was doing. And it was actually after uh, my collapse as an angel investor. I was so bad. I called myself the angel of death, by the way. I was destroying businesses, not saving them, not serving them. Uh, I started to collect down everything I thought I knew about entrepreneurship and challenging it. And uh, I realized I know almost nothing. And uh, what I thought was driving profit doesn't. What I thought generates leads doesn't. And so I, I've documented all these things that I don't understand and have devoted my life now to resolving them. So finding, to curating the ideas that do solve that and then putting in a book to serve others too. Nice. Well, I certainly appreciate that. You, you strike me as a very straightforward guy, self self-deprecating and you you make yourself vulnerable um how do you how do you think that that's really helped you to 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 connect with people for sure for sure i because i remember you know going to different events or reading books and i feel that the expert is like almost pontificating like just almost sharing these ex- extreme ideas and not necessarily from an ego standpoint, just that it was unreachable. Like here's someone on a pedestal. and like, that's amazing. I'll never be able to do that though. And so uh, there was almost, there's almost like a resistance to do things because I didn't feel it was approachable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just not who I feel I am. I, I, I feel I'm no better than anyone else. I don't think I'm worse than anyone else. I think I'm just another guy going through a different experience. I actually believe life is a continuum, almost like an infinity loop. And we're all just in different spots of it. So I have success. I've, I've had failure. I'll have future failure. I'll have future success. It just it just revolves. But throughout, there's a learning for all of us. So I just feel compelled to share it. Uh, and self-deprecation is just naturally who I am. Like um, I, I think it's actually kind of cool to show our imperfections. It makes it just shows how real we are. Um, I, I don't get turned on by the guy in his Learjet, you know, lighting cigars with hundred dollar bills. Like that is. <laughs> gross to me. And it, it may to some people that's aspirational, but that's gross to me. It feels almost so consumption oriented, so uh, ego oriented. Um, but what, what draws me is 
is people who are embracing and welcoming. And the best way to be embracing and welcoming is to say, I'm flawed too. I'm flawed too. Yeah. Amen. So have, have you always wanted to be an author? Does it, does it feel good to be able to tell people this, this is what I'm doing. This is who I am. Uh, it feels good to say this is who I am. I no, I never wanted to be an author. I never even thought about it. I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. Hmm. When, when I was growing up, my father had one job at, when he graduated college, he had one job for the entirety of his life and he retired there. He got the pension. It was the old school way of careers. And so that's fully what I expected. Like what's the one company I'm going to work for and, and devote my life to. And uh, I couldn't get that job. I tried to after college, but I couldn't get it. So um, I worked at a local computer store and uh, one night, one night went out for drinks with another guy and it's unbelievable what liquid courage will do. I'm like, I'm smarter than this owner. I can do this myself. And so with a little booze in me, I started a business, not a business tip. Don't do that. Um, and I had no clue what that guy was going through running that business. I had no clue how hard it is. I thought he was in the back room, just counting money. Oh no. Oh no. He's pulling his hair out saying, where am I going to get new clients? How am I going to pay the rent? Like there's so much I didn't get. Today, you know, being an author, it's, it's a blast. It, I love like when I get into like an Uber or something and I'm taking a ride and sometimes conversation strikes out and you talk to the driver and sometimes it's their full career and it's amazing what these, these folks are doing. Other times it's a side hustle. And then sometimes I'll even say, hey, so what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm an author. And they're like, whoa, you feel the brakes get pumped. Like an author, like a real <laughs> person author. I'm like, yeah, like, I've never met one. So while many people have written books, I think few people devote their lives to the production of books, to, to the distribution of that knowledge. And I think authorship is that. It's, it's a life's journey, not the practice of writing a book. And uh, it's, really, it's really fun to see that response. Uh, and I'm very proud of that title. Yeah, well, I think it's super cool. So, so congratulations on that. Thank you. Thanks. So when, when somebody picks up Get Different... Um, what are you hoping that they're going to get out of reading it? Uh, so get, get different. The, the opening of the book is a rallying cry that I, I've been saying for a long time that small business is the backbone of the economy. It's, a, it's something I've been parroting that other people say. And then it hit me about a year ago. I'm like, that's wrong. I, I actually regret saying small business is the backbone of the economy. I actually believe small business is the economy. Mm-hmm. That, that small business is that pivotal in how everything happens. I mean, it's so important. You see the collapse of towns because small business is unsuccessful. You see the rise of towns and communities because small business is successful. I mean, that's how important it is. And um, when when I do keynotes or presentations, now mostly virtual, but it's actually coming back to live. And I ask people um, that are small business owners, how much do you believe in your business? Are you better than the competitions? Are you better than the big box stores or the jiffy jobs of the of the world? And these businesses they all raise their hands and say, absolutely, we're better. We care more, we're fast to respond. I, the owner, am active in the business, su- supporting my clients and my customers. I'm like, well, then damn it, we have to get noticed. Because if, if consumers buy from the alternative, which is inferior to us, the client is going to have a problem. They're going to have a lackluster experience. So it's the client's problem, but it's our fault for not being recognizable. So in Get Different, I first want to start with a rallying cry that we, you and I, small business has a responsibility to get noticed because if we're better, we have to get the word out. Then I, I uh, boiled down to the essence of what makes effective marketing. 
that's what I try to do in all my books. I think there's there's one thing that can have massive impact. And like I wrote a book, Profit First, about um, driving profit in your business. And it, it's literally one component, take your profit first. It doesn't fix everything, but it has massive positive impact on fixing almost everything. Yeah. And so I'm like, what's the equivalent in marketing? And I found, found there's three essential items. If the marketing doesn't differentiate, if it's more white noise, it will not be noticed. So doing the best practice of your industry is actually one of the worst things to do because when it comes to marketing, because it's white noise. Secondly, different for different sake is not good. That's called outrageous. That's called a goofy or crazy. It, 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 if it's not who you naturally are, it's going to fall flat. So it has to be different for the consumer, but also to be consistent with you, therefore attractive to the right consumer. Like, oh, I get this guy or, oh, I love that. It gets noticed and it attracts. And then finally, it must have a direct. So the model is DAD, dad. Differentiate, attract, and direct. And direct is now that you have the attention and the interest of the consumer, what should they do that's reasonable and safe for them? Don't, don't have an outrageous request like, hey, uh, you, you visit my website for 10 seconds, give me a $10,000 deposit on a consultation. But also don't be ambiguous like saying, learn more. The, the whole reason I went to your website was to learn more. Don't make me keep on learning more. Tell me what to do next that matriculates the relationship. I love it. Dad, did you tell Dad. your kids that? What? Did they roll their eyes? Yeah, my kids rolled their eyes. And uh, I can't tell you how many dad jokes. Actually, I got to tell you one. I get dad jokes now every day. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> here's the, here's the, the, I've defined now of the hundreds of dad jokes I've reviewed. This is the best one. Here's the joke. Um, when does a good joke become a dad joke? I don't know. When? When it becomes apparent. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I love gow. That. <laughs> Yeah, that's the best dad joke ever. It's so bad. It's so bad. That, that, that is solid right there. Yeah. All right. So don't don't. So the first one is I I should I wrote down the D. It's 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 differentiate, attract, Correct. and direct. Correct. Is is so I I've 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 worked in personal finance for for twenty years and it's Love super it. easy to create white noise in in, <laughs> in in that space, but that's probably true of every industry. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is true of every industry. And I'll give you an example. Um, have you ever received a "Hey friend" email, George? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So so have I, and maybe you respond the first way the same way. The first one I got it started off with "Hey friend," and I was like. Oh my God, I got this friend who's so friendly. They don't even call me by my first name. Wow. What an amazing friend. <laughs> Who is this? It really, it really evoked curiosity. And I started reading through it and I was like, oh, smarmy, irrelevant marketing. Here's what's interesting that happens. Our mind, so I was interviewing neuroscientists, behavioralists, psychologists. There's, a, there's this component of our mind at the very base of the brainstem. It's called the reticular formation. Its job is actually to block out inputs. It blocks out 99.9999% of stimulus. But when something unexpected presents itself, it allows it through. So at first, hey, friend, my mind goes, what? Who is this? It's unexpected. And it actually stimulates the mind and we start evaluating. But then we put it into a category. Is this something that serves me? Is it something that threatens me? Or is it something that just is ignorable? Well, that one went into the ignorable. Um, and so the second hate friend that came through, I was very suspicious. By the third one, I've never read one again. And probably chances are you haven't either. It goes right into the spam box. And that is white noise. And you see it in every industry. You know, in, in personal finance, um, you know, the, the method may be to 
do a lunch and learn, or, you know, there's a million ways, but lunch and learn is the best practice. Well, what happens is the prospect hears lunch and learn uh, for the first time. It's remarkable. It's different. Brain is stimulated. They consider it. Now it needs to be attractive. You need to direct them what to do. But the second one they hear, if it what didn't serve them, if they said it is ignorable, they'll ignore it. And the third one, they'll ignore it. And you can see in junk mail, uh, you know, we can rifle through junk mail at, at lightning speed, recycle, recycle, recycle. Oh, check for me, recycle, recycle. We move that fast. So the key is to do something for your community that no one is doing. And here's the, it sounds pretty extreme. And like, how do I figure it out? The best thing to do is look at other industries that are doing stuff. And if it's not being done in your industry, R&D those ideas, rip off and duplicate those ideas. Take those ideas, translate them to your industry and do it. The other thing is different has a shelf life. Like it, once, once other people start doing the Hey Friend equivalents, it's going to burn out. But if it's, if it's really thought out well, it's unlikely people will copy it. It's, it's the things that are only mildly different. It was easy to change Hey George to Hey Friend so I didn't have to know your name. That was such a small, innocuous change that everyone replicated it and it became irrelevant within days of the first person doing it. But- other marketing that uh, other people won't replicate because it's too much. There was um, a gym in our area right down the street from me. We, we live in like a very colonial type town here in New Jersey and they're all storefronts. And this one section, there's, there's three fitness studios that have taken over former retail stores. And two of them actually share an adjacent wall. They're that packed into each other. The common noise that they've been using is you walk down the street and you see before and after pictures like, you know, schlubby person, ripped person, schlubby, ripped over and over again. Everyone ignores it and walks by it because that's the common white noise. Hmm. So I went to these places and said, hey, I can, within minutes, we can figure out something that's different and, and change the marketing right away. None of them were willing to take me up on it. I ultimately found a company in Salt Lake City who did it. They were a gym. And what we did is we got mirrors from like a fun house, rip off and duplicate, took an idea from elsewhere. I noticed that when you go to a fun house, people love taking pictures of those mirrors that stretch you out and make you look like an alien. We put them in the window front in this, this business. And so one of them actually made you look like kind of squat and flat. Another one made you look tall and lean. And above the, the squat one, we put before, the words before on the mirror. And the other one we put after. So now people are walking by the storefront and you see yourself in a mirror. And what do we do? We start looking before, after we start taking pictures. It's fun. It's engaging. So it's different. Who has funhouse mirrors in a gym? It's attractive. We're seeing ourselves. We're engaged. And then there was a direct. There's a sign next to it. It says, now that we transformed you in the mirror, let's transform you permanently in your life. Come inside. And their foot traffic more than quadrupled. No one, and I've been talking about this. No one has replicated it. Different is, is scary uh, until you do it and realize it's not scary. It's actually the best marketing in the world. Yeah, I love it. So those other two gyms, do they like shake their head and they're like, darn it. Why didn't we listen to that guy who came in? You think they would. So the other gyms, so there's, there's these three gyms here that they all declined. My thing, they still don't do it because they, they do the, yeah, but they're like, yeah, yeah, it works for them. But mm. um, I don't know uh, if that would work here. Yeah. But it might be embarrassing. Yeah. But there's a devil on our shoulder and there's an angel. There's an angel saying, we need to stand out and get noticed. If your business is superior to the alternatives, you have a responsibility to market. It is the ultimate act of kindness marketing yourself. You're better. There's this devil saying it's embarrassing. 
people see that you're doing this and get noticed, they may reject you. This is actually uh, a reptilian part of our brain that does this. this th there was a survival mechanism. There was a reason why we wouldn't want to stand out in the past because mm. that was certain death. Like if, if you and I were in the tribe together and you're like uh, the leader of the tribe and you're like, Hey, let's go hunting for a woolly mammoth and all the tribes, people are like, yeah. And I'm like, no, I want to go for a saber tooth tiger. I'm dead. I'm as good as dead because I'm rejecting the desire of the tribe and we must work communally to survive. Therefore I'm kicked out of the tribe. I want the tundra and I'm dead uh, because there's no one supporting me. And I ain't going to take on a saber tooth tiger by myself dead. And so that reptilian part of our mind still says standing out, Rejecting the community means death. And this side says standing out, rejecting the norm means getting noticed in business. So there's this weird bipolarism saying, I want to get noticed without being noticeable. I want to stand out without having to stand out. And uh, these businesses, they see it working and then they're like, no, I will die. The truth is, of course, they won't. Their business will boom. And, and someone's going to catch on. Like that different mirror is working. And someday, someone else will copy it. It's usually when the second or third person does that hey friend that everyone's like, oh my God, these hey friends actually work. And that's when it's dead. If you're the first, even if you're sometimes the second, as long as your prospects is new to them, it'll keep winning until everyone replicates it. Love it. So if you don't mind, I'd love to hear about your process for writing. Do you write a certain amount every day? Do you wake up at a certain time and talk, talk me through that? Yeah, I write every day. I start at 6 a.m., including this morning till 7 a.m. I write with other authors. This is a, actually a key hack is we do a sprint group. So we hopped on Zoom this morning and we do it every morning. And uh, listen, I'm on the East Coast. It's 6 a.m. East Coast. There's some West Coasters that join at 3 a.m. It's like, you all are sick. And we just say, what are you working on today? It's a quick dialogue. Most people are kind of droopy eyed. And then you start cranking. And then we take a break halfway through, say, how you doing? And we go again. And as a result, I produce 800 to 1,000 words a day in, uh, in that kind of writing sprint. That's what I call my off-season. The on-season, which I'm just starting to get into an on-season on one of my books, is on-season is when I have a book deadline now pending. I have a commitment to my publisher or something. Then I write four hours a day on average, um, and I'll, I'll bang out 3,000 to 4,000 words. That being said, it's not always writing. It's actually more of it is is, is cutting and trimming and editing. That's actually where real writing happens. There's a, there's a book, I'm sure you know of it. It's called On Writing Well. Mm -hmm. And uh, the opening sentence says, the essence of writing is rewriting. And mm -hmm. I'm like, that is it. That is it. The, the first one, honestly, is, it's, just, it's, just a, it's, just, it's just vomit. Like literally you're, you're vomiting words. <laughs> the second go around, it's like, oh, is there anything digestible in that puke? Um, and and then you start cherry picking out. There's a, there's a couple of tidbits there and in, in restructuring it for me. Um, the final part about writing is it takes me about five years on average to write a book, sometimes a little bit longer, sometimes 10 years. Um, I do produce a lot of books because I write in parallel. So I have four books in process right now at different stages. Hmm. So I'm able to produce a book one every one or two years, but that's because I'm working on multiples at the same time. Do you like one part of that process better than better than the next, like the puking part or the cleaning up the puke? <laughs> yeah, I like. Yeah, I, I like the cleaning up the puke. Okay, which sounds horrid. So it's not even that. It's 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 like all of a sudden there's like oh my god that hasn't been digested yet. It's like like puking out. It's like oh my god there's a full full blueberry in there that didn't get digested. That's 
beautiful. And you wash it off. Like, oh my God, this is actually consumable. There's, so I do a lot of testing. So the, the writing is that hour. Um, I do a lot of testing. And in, in fact, what we're doing right now actually has a testing element. I'll likely go back and listen to this and, um, and see where people are commenting on your podcast or show and say, oh, that part really resonates. That's something I got to cherry pick. I do a lot of um, presentations too, masterminding and so forth. I even host an event in my office, just totally free. If you're a reader and you want to come, come, but your job is to tear me apart until we find those nuggets that are good. And I'll just do a verbal vomit. But when I find one of those nuggets that work, I, mean, I found one just a week ago. That's why I'm like hyped up on this right now. I'm sorry. I'm starting at emails from people that were at this last session we did. And they're, they're like, holy shit, that thing, I'm applying it. It is working big time. And it's like, yes, I got one page for the book now. <laughs> so That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. I, I appreciate you sharing that. Well, Mike, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? Where can they learn about that, that uh, drop-in you just talked about? And where can they pick up a copy of Get Different Marketing That Can't Be Ignored? So the best place to, uh, to check out Get Different is go to a website called gogetdifferent.com. And the reason I suggest you start there is if you go to gogetdifferent.com, you will find um, resources for the book that are freely available. But one of the resources is my favorite. It's dozens and dozens. I think it's like 60 different marketing strategies that you can do it for no cost or little cost that are different experiments. One's an invisible email. Another one's a way to use Wi-Fi to market your business. There's always things that cost basically nothing or near nothing. And if you start at gogetdifferent.com, you'll also be able to connect with me further, go to my kind of master website and all these different things. But the, the epicenter is gogetdifferent.com. Love it. Well, if you enjoyed this much as I did, show Mike your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to gogetdifferent.com and get into Mike's world. Pick up a copy of Get Different Marketing That Can't Be Ignored. And I can personally vouch for the quality of um, everything that Mike puts out and the work that he does. It is excellent. So thanks again, Mike. Thank you, brother. I appreciate this, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together.